Welcome to Dairy Intelligent, a podcast by VES Artex, a turntide company. Together, we will meet dairy industry intellects and passionate dairy producers to discuss all things cows and connected technologies. Hello, everyone, and welcome to VES Artex's podcast, Dairy Intelligent. I'm your host, Annie, and today I'm joined by Dr. Don Niles of Pagels Family Businesses. Kiwani County in Wisconsin has the largest number of cows per acre of all the counties in eastern U.S. It has been the geological base of fracture bedrock, which makes it highly susceptible to well contamination events. That, along with being located immediately adjacent to the Outdoor Tourism Center of Wisconsin, has led to public conflict. Today, we are going to discuss this farming community's resolution to own their own story and establish a greater trust and cohabitation between the agricultural and non-agricultural communities. So thanks so much for being with us, Dr. Niles. Why don't you introduce yourself and give us some of your background? I, I sure will, Annie. I appreciate the opportunity to, to speak with you today. Um, as you mentioned, I'm a dairy farmer um, in Northeast Wisconsin, uh, the Door County Peninsula, uh, sticking out into Lake Michigan. Um, I originally started as a dairy veterinarian in this area. And um, in uh, 2001, became a dairy farmer myself when um, my client and good friend John Pagel and I started uh, Dairy Dreams together, um, started milking cows there in 2002. At that time, that our dairy was the only 1,000 cow dairy in Kiwani County. And of course, uh, by this time, we're about the, the sixth largest. So um, lots of progress, lots of new operations, lots of modernization uh, have occurred up here on, in this corner of the state. So let's start out by talking about the location of your farm and what are some of the unique attributes? Yes, um, we are here on the on the Door County Peninsula, the base of the Door County Peninsula. Um, and this has long been a very strong dairy area. Um, well over 100 years ago, uh, immigrants from uh, dairies in Germany and Belgium uh, were attracted to this corner of Wisconsin. Uh, we have a similar climate to what they were used to there. Um, we have great uh, breezes to help keep cows cool and comfortable. Uh, on one side, we have the, um, the wide bay of uh, Green Bay. On the other side, of course, we have uh, Lake Michigan. So we're a flat county with great exposure to breezes from both directions. Really, really a nice place for dairy cattle. Uh, we also um, have good soil for alfalfa. Uh, which once again uh, was an attractant to the um, the immigrants coming in. Uh, they were looking for similar conditions uh, in order to have their herds. So this grew as a dairy community, uh, mostly, of course, very, very small farms at that time. And as technology changed and um, things like milking machines uh, started coming into practice, um, dairies got to more of a, a 20 to 30 cow um, stage, uh, where then further um, expansion from, from families uh, being larger and being able to handle more cows uh, got to the point where when I first came here in practice in 1983, the average herd size was about 40 cows here in, in Kiwani County. Since that time, the um, county has undergone a very significant um, expansion, uh, revitalization, modernization. And um, now uh, we are, as you mentioned, we're actually the second uh, most dense 
Derry County in the eastern United States, east of the Rocky Mountains, uh, with slightly over 100 cows per square mile. Only Lancaster, Pennsylvania has a little bit more than us per square mile. So we're a very um, dairy-centric uh, focus agriculture area and um, uh, very proud of what we're doing here. Um, at the same time, we've got some challenges here on the peninsula. Besides the great breezes and, and great soil, uh, much of Kiwani County is um, located above a fractured dolomite aquifer, uh, which means that um, in northern Kiwani County, where my farm is, uh, we have many, many acres of very shallow topsoil, if any, uh, over the um, dolomite um, bedrock. And um, even if we do have some soil over the dolomite, uh, if we only have two feet of soil, um, any nutrients or anything applied um, on the surface, anything that anybody puts in their septic tank at home, has very little room to go uh, before it hits the cracks in the bedrock in the dolomite. Uh, once that happens, the, um, there's no more amelioration occurring on, on whatever was applied to the surface. It just gets into the cracks in the rock and, and can extend very quickly uh, down into the bedrock and, uh, or excuse me, down into the groundwater, into the aquifer. Um, so if we have two feet of soil and a hundred feet of dolomite bedrock, we really only get two feet of processing on anything that was put on the soil, um, before it gets down into the, um, aquifer potentially. So that's kind of the, uh, the success and the challenge of, uh, dairying up here on the peninsula. Absolutely. Those are some major challenges. So can you explain a little bit further about what the effects of what the aquifer, um, as well as I, I've heard you talk before about brown water events, which don't sound very good. So what are some of the effects, not only for the dairy, but also for our local residents? Yes, uh, the, what are referred to as brown water, uh, brown water events are just what they sound like. Um, essentially, somebody turns on their faucet in the morning and instead of clear water coming out of the faucet, um, some brownish tinge uh, water, possibly even with an off odor to it, uh, comes out. And this would be because something impacted their aquifer under that well and um, contaminated the water, whether it be a, a 30 foot deep shallow well or even a, a 60 foot deep well. Um, and then contaminated water uh, came up from that well. Um, Although occasionally those are seen in the modern day, for the most part, those events, which are the most obvious visible uh, source of something uh, going on in the groundwater, are largely behind us. Um, typically, when I first got here in the 80s, uh, it would be um, not uncommon in some areas of the shallow soil that uh, some of the old farmhouses and old wells would routinely have these brown water events in the spring uh, when things let loose and flow down into the aquifer. Um, since that time, because of improved wells, improved septics, improved farming practices, uh, the, the brown water events have become almost non-existent. Um, but the difference was if we had one 50 years ago, it would be something barely worth men mentioning among neighbors. Uh, now, if we have one, it, it'll be on the front page of national newspapers uh, the next day. So, um, not only are the brown water events reduced, but the, um, the public uh, reaction to them is, is exaggerated, as it should be. People should expect to have clean water coming out of their well. And um, uh, because of the improvements that we've made, not just in farming, but 
in residential uh, uses also, uh, we've largely got beyond those unfortunate events. So we know that Wisconsin is America's dear land. And as we've said earlier, the, the landscape of occupations of uh, many of the neighbors have changed over the years. Not everyone um, maybe knows their neighbor farmer or has a real connection to farming. So what are some of the other political and social concerns that you've heard from some of your neighbors that aren't farmers? Well, that's an interesting question. Uh, when I first got here in practice in the early 80s, um, typically, uh, the small farms in Kiwani County um, were surrounded by residences of, of their family. It would be grandma and grandpa's uh, farm down the road or their uncle's farm or one of their brothers or sisters. But you'd have the farm and that farm would be surrounded typically by um, residents of, of people um, related to that farm. As the farms got larger and people became more mobile, a lot of times those members of the family that didn't farm uh, felt no need to remain here in Kewanee County, so they moved to Milwaukee or Chicago or one of the coasts to pursue their livelihood. Um, and also, as uh, Door County in, uh, increased its um, presence with um, tourists, but we had more and more people moving from out of state to be near or in Door County, and the north part of Kiwani County is very close to Door County. So a lot of those people moved from someplace like Chicago up to um, Kiwani County and um, had their own expectations and reasons for wanting to live here. All very valid. It's a, it's a beautiful place to be. Um, but they had no um, uh, multi-generational experience with the farms um, in their area and um, really didn't have much of a relationship at all with that farmer also often so that um, it made a greater potential for conflicts between um, the farm location and the surrounding residences. And then if we would have something such as a, a manure spill or runoff event, or in an extreme case, one of the groundwater events we referred to, uh, that would be very striking and um, very concerning. And it wouldn't be taken as the um, background norm as earlier in the industry. You just were talking about how many, let's say, city folks or people not as familiar um, with farming practices are moving more into more rural areas. But many dairies also have been moving out of the more popular dairy states, you know, like California, Wisconsin, uh, to more rural areas, such as um, the states that are in the middle of the United States, those Plains states. Um, do you think that's a, a practical solution? I think that um, it makes a lot of sense for dairies that are expanding or um, starting out new with a with a large profile uh, to look for some place where the market's suitable for them. Um, so you're going to take things into consideration such as um, soil, um, cropping ability, um, weather conditions, um, the economics of, of having a market uh, available to you. Um, but one other factor would be... Um, wanting to be a place where um, where agriculture is uh, more familiar and accepted, or at least more remote because they're, they're thinly populated areas. Our feeling here in, in Kiwani County, however, is we can have the advantages of this area for dairy cows, uh, beautiful climate, great breezes, um, some mild conditions, and some great soil for the cows. And by by focusing on our 
farming habits and acclimating them to the area that we have here, uh, we think we can continue um, the dairy farm in, in Kiwani uh, County in Northeast Wisconsin very successfully. Uh, but of course, just like anything else, we've got to make changes in how we do things that we do. Absolutely. So how do we earn back the trust and confidence of, you know, that 99% of people that aren't actively involved in farming? And what are some action steps that you are taking in that area? Well, I'll, I'll back up a little bit in history to, to share a quick anecdote with you. In our local newspaper, um, we have a, a column as to what was going on here in our area 50 years ago and 100 years ago and 150 years ago. Just a little piece, and it's always interesting to read. Um, a couple of years ago, I saw mentioned that um, uh, 150 years ago, Theophile Dewey died in uh, the town of Lincoln, Kewanee County, which is exactly where my farm is, died from typhoid fever, um, which is salmonella um, carried by contaminated groundwater. Um, so even in that time, before there were cows here, we had um, potential issues where we had to um, better protect our water supply. So as we work on adjusting our place in the community and continuing to earn the support and the, um, the encouragement of the rest of our community, we've got to look at these, these sensitive historical facts and, and approach what we're doing differently. In our case, we found that we were spending way too much time in arguments with a fairly fringe um, part of the community uh, who were largely just opposed to agriculture being here. And um, we were getting nowhere by being in a kind of bickering with them all the time. You'd have letters to the editor and uh, people standing up in meetings. And you just saw 5% of the people on one side arguing with 5% on the other side. And the 90% of the people in the middle were just getting, just getting tired of that. Um, they wanted the arguing to stop. They wanted actions to occur. Uh, they wanted farms to be here, but they didn't want the farms to be wrecking the environment. So what seemed to be necessary for us as a farming associated group was to get together and we had an initial meeting um, in Luxembourg uh, talking about the fact that we were concerned with the, the reception of, of farming and agriculture here um, and we wanted to do all that was necessary to correct the situation and it was a very interesting meeting because one of the producers uh, stood up and said if we're considering starting a group an agricultural group uh, to promote high quality water and um, sustainable soil practices, are we willing to admit that we are part of the problem here? And you actually could have heard a pin drop in the room because that was a very, very important moment. Um, we went from saying the kinds of things that um, we were used to saying in agriculture to having to stop and, and think, are we really, really willing to say that we know we're part of the problem with contaminated groundwater. Here's what we're going to do to start fixing it and trying to figure it out. That was a transformative moment for us. And I think if we didn't have that, that um, epiphany, uh, that yes, we honestly were part of the problem. We we're the main users of, of land here. So certainly we're contributors to what goes on underneath, but we're also the ones with the greatest control over those practices and how to improve those practices to protect all the groundwater, including our neighbors. So we really needed to come to grips with the fact that we were part of the problem before we'd be accepted by society as being part of the solution. 
in order to be part of the solution, you have to first admit you're part of the problem. Um, I really admire that. So from this, this first initial meeting, um, is that when yourself and the other um, Kiwana County dairy producers decided to start Peninsula Pride Farms? Um, and if so, can you explain a little bit more about the mission and the focus? That was largely, that was the moment. And um, from that meeting, uh, we took about 14 of us as volunteers to start trying to put a program together um, and get back to the greater group with with structure and plans and, and see if there was um, an interest in going ahead. So we spent about six months uh, researching um, what other groups were doing. Uh, we were very much influenced by Yahara Pride Farms uh, down in the Madison area. They had a very advanced um, uh, soil management program and um, uh, we could, learned a lot from them and were able to shorten our learning curve significantly by um, having them share what they're doing with us and, and applying it to what we're doing here. Um, we also had to um, come up with a, a structure. Uh, we decided to have actual membership and for the membership, um, producers would have to uh, pay uh, dues. Um, we wanted everybody to have some skin in the game. So we came up with a dues structure since the county is made up of both small and large dairies. We came up with a dues structure that had one tier for the smaller dairy and crop farms and a different tier for the larger farms. So everybody paid more accordingly to um, uh, their production. And um, we also came up with a board of directors and also were able to secure some funding uh, to start ourselves out. Uh, DATCAP has been offering um, a watershed management uh, grants since the time we started. And each year we've applied for and been lucky enough to receive one of those grants. And that uh, twenty to forty thousand uh, dollars goes a long way in helping with our, our programming and the cost share and things we add. Um, also, we felt, as I mentioned, that being um, dues-paying members was very important. Also, to, to put some skin in the game, uh, so we started with our dues along with the um, the debt gap grants. And um, after we were um, showing some success and making some significant changes here and kind of changing the whole dialogue in Kiwani County, uh, we got the interest of some environmental groups such as the Nature Conservancy. And uh, they've been one of our major supporters ever since then also. Um, they um, don't uh, put any effort into trying to direct our programming, but they like what we're doing and they want to encourage us to do more of it. So they've offered us um, uh, cost sharing also, which allows us to bring new members in and uh, we can have things like a new members drive where we don't charge any dues for the first year because we have this grant coming in Nature Conservancy and they can help cover that for the time. Um, they also like uh, they also allow us to add new practices that we don't have as part of our debt cap grant. So it's just another funding source. Uh, we're lucky to have both of them. We have some private local businesses around here in banks uh, that support what we're doing as well, both with financial contributions and, and helping with the cost of a meeting room for annual meeting and, and meals and, and things like that. So it, it's very much a community-wide uh, effort. Um, members and non-members, farmers and non-farmers are all invited to all of our meetings. Um, everything is open. Uh, we really enjoy having that exchange. And we've also put together something called Conservation Conversations, which are great. They're about a one-hour meeting once a month. Um, we'll meet at a different farm uh, where different practice is being used. Um, invite anybody who cares to come, and we'll, we'll talk with that farmer about what they're doing, 
what worked, what didn't work, because a lot of times we learn a lot from things that didn't work for somebody else. And um, just have a chance to talk and compare notes for an hour um, right after dinner uh, once a month. So we have different things like those meetings and conservation conversations to give us continual outreach to our membership. Well, you all have definitely taken matters into your own hands. What is a key thing about your organization that surprises people? People are surprised to hear farmers clearly understanding that they don't have all the answers, clearly interested in um, what other farmers are doing that they can learn from. So it's, it's a very, it's kind of a, a wide open, vulnerable thing. Uh, you don't have to go in with the idea that you know everything. Um, you can be challenged and um, you can have one person's good and bad results uh, help direct what you're going to do. So it's, it's very collegial, um, it's not very competitive, and it's open to the outside public. So we'll, we'll have people that um, notoriously would be writing letters to the editor in the local papers uh, opposed to agriculture. And a lot of those people come to our events now and um, have long decided that we are trying to do exactly what they wanted us to do, which is to help preserve and protect uh, ground and surface water here. Um, so they, they've been enjoying our events and they've uh, achieved a much different opinion of the farmers in the area and, and what we're doing and why we're doing it, especially why we're doing it. I think that was very hard to convey before. That's awesome. So how do you recommend other areas with large dairy farm populations start to make sustainability improvements and continue to share their dairies initiatives? Well, that's a good question. Need to have some kind of internal motivation, I believe. Um, it'd be very hard to start an organization like this with the county or the co-op or somebody from outside saying, okay, we're going to start this farm group and this is what we're going to do. I, I think to be successful, it's got to be the farmers and the professionals, the uh, nutritionists and the agronomists that work with them saying, we're going to work on this together, we're going to be collaborative, and we're going to put our program together. Um, if it comes from outside, I think all the energy will be outside and the, the group will continue to struggle with getting people to meetings, uh, getting people engaged, because it, it was kind of being done for them, not by them. I think if you're going to be successful, you really need to take ownership of your own um, area, your own practices, and your own strategies for improving the environment and, and make them work. Uh, that it really has to come from within your own heart. Well, thank you again, Dr. Niles, for your time and insights. Um, we're just at the end of our conversation, uh, but before we wrap things up, what does an animal-centered environment mean to you? To be animal-centered here, we have to a, create an area uh, that's comfortable and compatible with our animals. Um, so obviously in Northeast Wisconsin, we have to protect them from the worst of the winter. Uh, we need to be able to get them out of the wind, uh, keep them dry, uh, keep them comfortable, well-ventilated. Um, in the summer, we need to take advantage of the, um, the weather conditions and the, the climate that we have. Um, we also have to be um, feeding them uh, products, crops that we can grow here successfully and not have to import. Uh, so once again, it's, agriculture is going to mimic uh, the, the land that we have. And lastly, we need to um, not only protect our cattle, which we're quite good at doing, but we need to correct or protect our land, which is probably a little more um, of, a, of a move for some people um, and a different way of looking at your land as to not 
simply planting a crop, harvesting a crop, but um, improving the soil, uh, maintaining um, the uh, topsoil, um, uh, reducing um, potential for contamination, uh, filtering through the soil, um, getting some cover crops and, and things in to reduce our dependence on chemicals. Uh, so it's, it's much more of a sustainable approach of using what we have available to us um, for the betterment of not only our cattle, but our soil also. Really well said. Well, thank you again, Dr. Niles. I think we all learned more about how we can take ownership and share each of our own dairy stories. Um, so thank you to everyone for listening, and we will see you in our next episode. Thank you for joining us for another Dairy Intelligent episode. We hope you have found some suggestions to improve cow comfort on your farm, or simply just learn something new. If you have not already, please be sure to subscribe to our channel on your favorite podcast platform and let your friends know about us. We would love to have them listen and learn.